Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are all these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. All right, hello, Naughty Monkeys. Hi. Hello. Dave. Um, Dave, today we're going to talk about love. Finally. (laughs) It's my jam. I'm into love. Yeah. You know what spawned the fact that I was like, we need to talk about love now? Are you in love with someone? Well, uh, guys, seriously, through the little bit over a year that I've been doing this podcast, I've gone through two major heartbreaks, like two just tragic, like heart out of chest, like experiences. Super bummer. I don't usually share like the major parts of my love life, but it's been like really like, whoa. So Dave, even though this is your jam, like right now, I'm like, no, I really want to get to the bottom of this. Like what love is. You want to find out what love is (laughs) and what's love got to do with it. We have an hour. Let's do it. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about love, falling in love. And I also want to talk about heartbreak because that in itself is a whole experience. So, and then maybe like, I'm I'm curious about like love and addiction. Like is love an addiction? Like chemically speaking and right. On arousal, I'm just fascinated with with the brain. Like, what is going on in my body right now? You know, like, are you experiencing legitimate withdrawal? Is that what you're wondering? I mean, there is a part of. I mean, I've never been addicted to cigarettes or, or alcohol or anything, but there is a certain like need it, need it. You know, oh, so totally. There's that feeling, um, and and you bug out. It's like, annoying. Psychologically, you are destroyed. Yeah, you're on this hamster wheel of anxiety yeah. and neuroses, and just like, Ugh. so yeah. Um, but that's then, why so many people go back and get a little bit more of the drug. Totally. You know, they're like, ah, oh, crap, right. Heroin sucks or whatever. Right. To be going through this, I went through major falling in love feelings a right. few months ago or a while ago. And it was amazing. And and then it became tragic. <laughs> oh, it's oh, good times. What goes up must come down. <laughs> well, it doesn't take me off of the love game completely. But it's just, I mean, it's like, what is happening to me? Why am I experiencing this? So... Cara Santa Maria, hello, hello, science extraordinaire. Welcome Aww. to the show. Science extraordinaire, <laughs> love it. <I'll> take it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hi, welcome. Um, no, I'm really excited that you're here. I know that our schedules didn't line up a couple times, and I was like, kept texting, like, come on, be on the show. No, it's actually well, because the last time you asked me to be on the show, I think we we may have been talking about something kind of related to it was like a love and a sex kind of thing, but. But I, I remember you asked me and I had just gone through a horrible breakup and I was so right. not even in control. I was like, I can't do it. I will cry on air. Totally. So wow. <laughs> probably not a good idea. God, totally. That feeling is so crazy. Isn't yeah. it crazy? When you're like... It's it, all encompassing. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I have a good friend who went through something kind of recently and, and we kind of had this funny joke where she was like, you know, I'm changed. I cry in public now. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just a thing. It's totally. fun. Um, yeah, and so. I'd just fallen in love and so we were in completely different places. And it totally. Was like, Maybe we should wait. I think it was that. one of those things where I was like, yeah, totally. And then the next day I was like so I'm gonna have to back out of <laughs> sure this. um Kara so I know we met at uh the Young Turks so doing the point together yeah. yeah that was fun um but I know that you have a background in neurobiology I know you're at the HuffPost um let us know like what's what are you about these days what are you what's your work in the world sure so so yeah my my background like my academic background is in um psychology and neuroscience I have an undergrad in psych and a, a master's in neurobiology um and 
now, I mean, I would call myself kind of technically, I guess, a science communicator. That's what's super important to me. So I, I do um, my video series on HuffPost Science, which is called Talk Nerdy to Me. It's a weekly, was bi-weekly, kind of in between weekly and bi-weekly now. Great title. Um, yeah, Talk Nerdy to Me. Hey. <laughs> um, um, just about all sorts of different science topics. But of course, m- kind of my baby is neuroscience. That's what I always studied. Um, and, and I try to do as many kind of public appearances, talks, you know, radio, podcasts, television, um, as possible. Anytime that there's kind of a chance to communicate science, try and bring science into the conversation. That's really important to me. So, so that's what I'm up to now. That's where you can kind of catch me. If you're interested, you could check out the, um, the video series on, on HuffPost Science, Talk Nerdy to Me. You can also kind of check out a bunch of stuff that I do on, on YouTube. I do Mm -hmm. the Young Turks a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, now hosted the point a bunch of I've probably oh, cool. been on like six or seven episodes of that um, guest host on the Young Turks a lot I, I just did an episode actually it hasn't aired yet but I just did an episode of Cocktails with Stan with Stan Lee so that oh. one's gonna be fun yeah yeah Very and I've exciting. done other uh, other Nerdist podcasts too I've been on the Nerdist podcast with Chris um, I also did Janet Varney's JV Club oh, podcast. Oh, that was oh, such cool. a cute podcast. Yeah, it was really fun. That's a really fun one. Because she, you know, is now a host at HuffPost Live. So we see each that. other like every day at work. That. Yeah, super fun. That's so cool. Yeah. That's such a small world. Well, thank you for coming on. I Thanks mean, for having me. No, when I saw that you'd done some work in Love and Sex, I was like, okay. And you know brain things. Oh, yeah. So we need to get into this. Yeah, I mean, when I first started at HuffPost, um, before we had a science page, Ariana hired me to kind of start doing some video stuff. And there wasn't really a lot of structure. There wasn't a place for my stuff to go. And so I was posting kind of under green or education or whatever banner worked. And I you know, didn't have an editor. I was a little rudderless. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to dedicate a whole month to love and sex. And so I have a lot of content from when I first started. So I was pulling some of that up when we were talking about doing this. Good. Well, let's start at the very beginning. Of love? Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Right. Or for me, eight months ago. Um, Oh, Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) What happens chemically in the brain when we have those in love feelings like what's what's the the start of that it, i mean it's 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 complicated this is the really fascinating thing i think about the neurobiology of love is that if you notice if if you've kind of taken any hard sciences in high school and college whatever love is not in the glossary of your chemistry <laughs> text sure. you know yeah. like nobody talks about even in biology we kind of we'll talk about mating mm-hmm. rituals and we'll talk about sex but love kind of feels like one of these sort of poetic intangible mm-hmm. things that most scientists are like I don't right. think I want to touch like that like love and God we yeah, don't exactly. talk about it's like, we, don't, we don't need to go there so and, and you do see it a little more in psychology um, but, but it is interesting that we're starting to see more kind of um, studies of love in neurobiology and one person that a lot of people turn to her name is Helen Fisher she's kind of like the preeminent researcher in the neurobiology of love some people disagree with Helen though which is kind of interesting because if you're going to search for neurobiology of love she'll be mm-hmm. the top 10 hits and so I think that there is room for other researchers to kind definitely. of come in there but there really aren't that many yet, I, I definitely so. know people who are very disagree a lot with her but still I mean if there needs to, obviously that's a field to be mined then. yeah because she's kind of one of the only people doing it and mm-hmm. so you know the way that she looks at it is there's kind of three stages of love she looks at lust she looks at attachment and then she looks at kind of the longevity and love mm-hmm. um, and and 
you know, what's funny is they're totally different neurological profiles for all of those things. So if we're talking about love, are we talking about that initial kind of feeling, that pang of attraction? I don't want to keep my clothes on when I'm around this person. I get like that really funny feeling in my stomach. Or are we talking about the way that people who have been married for 30 years feel about mm-hmm. each other? Because that's a totally different brain right. region. It's totally different chemicals. It's it's much more like a weird mix between a romantic, lustful love mm-hmm. and the same kind of love that you would have with your child or with your sure. parents or, or mm-hmm. a brother and sister. So there is a lot going on, but it seems like a lot of the chemicals involved in all of these things are, you know, kind of the main ones that we often talk about. Dopamine, serotonin, vasopressin, and oxytocin. Um, dopamine is kind of a little more involved in that first, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, like sure. this is the person. Yeah, like, who is that? Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> serotonin, as we know, is what a lot of people take when they take, um, well, they don't take serotonin, but they take selective serotonin reuptake right. inhibitors when they take antidepressants. So serotonin um, does kind of help you feel happier if you have mm-hmm. enough serotonin in your brain. That's why things like methyl dioxymethamphetamine work so well. Um, MDMA ecstasy mm-hmm. makes you feel amazing because you've got a yeah. crap load of serotonin that in just your like, brain yeah, when you're pours t- it in. Oh yeah, and then you're just sad the next day. Exactly, <laughs> because you're, you're like in rebound after that. Um, but then you've got things like vasopressin and oxytocin, which are the um, hormones, the neurohormones that a lot of people associate with bonding. So Mm -hmm. like a a ton of oxytocin is released in, in new mothers when they're breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. This is like this period of time where they're really bonding with their infants. And there's a lot um, released in the infant too. And so it's kind of this like imprinting uh, time of life when, when two people are are getting really, really close. And, and I think you see these floods of these chemicals also when, when two people are falling in love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's my hard one is attachment. Mm -hmm. Like I have really solid attachment style. Like, it's like that's a whole thing in, in yeah. psych- psychology. Yeah, is, they talk about like what like healthy attachments, unhealthy attachments, and and they're like d- three. Yeah, different there's three different ones. There's, there's I'm definitely like a, a healthy secure, secure, attachment, secure attachment, insecure attachment, and there's like the the baby who just like rejects their yeah. mom. Everyone's like, yeah, just yeah. like, what's up with that baby? There's kind of like too attached, not attached at all, and then this weird ambivalence in between <laughs> yeah. where you you almost see it kind of bordering on like a borderline personality <laughs> disorder, which is the I hate you. Don't leave me. Disease. You know yeah. what I sure, mean? Which sure. a lot of people kind of have that, I think, to some extent. And then, you know, at what point does it become clinical is mm-hmm. the real question. But I think that we've probably all felt this feeling of mm-hmm. like, I don't know, feeling really, really attached to somebody, but also feeling like really de- uh, like jealous or desperate or not really trusting that like obsessive obsessive yeah and and sometimes i think that we will mistake in that for love because it feels stronger than Mm -hmm. maybe what a secure attachment would be in love because you're just kind of like wow this is easy i found that usually what i call love is a severe uh desperate infatuation with a person (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's like completely lacks any trust and stability and and really honesty on both of our parts yeah and it's might involve very good sex but that's not also not required Uh, really yeah oh yeah uh Or maybe even you haven't even had sex yet. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. That seems to be something for some people. It's like, and sometimes by by the time you actually do have sex, you're like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> but then, then we get into the whole because because you say like the secure attaching style is boring, but. Oh, yeah. Well, and this is an argument that my friends and I are all having right now because we're all in various weird stages Mm -hmm. of of kind of like I I have a a handful of friends who are in very strong, secure relationships. But most Mm -hmm. of us are a mess right now. So, (laughs) so, you know, high five across the table. So we're all talking about our our, and, and, you know, the big question is like, can you have both? 
Like, it seems like you can only have one or the other lately. It seems like you can only have this really secure attachment yeah. that, you know, you trust each other. You feel like you, you've got a strong foundation. Something's growing. But it's kind of like there's no fire. Yeah. Or you have this, re- like, a lot of sizzle, a lot of excitement. But you totally don't trust each other. You're insecure all the time. And, and well, you don't I feel think, stable. I think that you would, if you got both, you would be lucking out. Yeah, you know I what I mean? So too. I think maybe that's because what we're all totally kind of searching unrelated. for. Yeah, absolutely. And what's also, I mean... I know that new Im- new input is very exciting to mm-hmm. us. So when you're in a secure attached type relationship and you're not seeking out new experiences, trying new things, exploring new sides of yourselves with each other, then you really do get into that just single pattern. That's extraordinarily boring. Yeah, sure. and also I think it depends on how, I mean, look at this room right now. We are kind of a mid to late 20, early 30s group. And I think that that is a period of time in a lot of people's lives when they're going, am I ready for that? Am I not? Am I ready for that? Am I not? You know, you look around and you go, some of my friends are married with kids. Ugh. And right. then uh, other of my friends right? are always <laughs> dating like 19 year olds. Ew. Yeah. You know, and then you're saying like, where am I with this? It's mm-hmm. like, I think I want to find that one, but I also don't know if I'm done dating yet. Right. It's, it's kind of confusing. And then you find something that, that could be secure and amazing and you're, uh, you get cold feet, you know? Right. So then there's yeah. just that aspect of it. You're not really sure what you want. Exactly. And like, is the timing right? Where am I in my life? You know, that's tough. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is historically that is getting older and older because of our means, because right. of, you know, uh, women's liberation, because we're all kind of strong and, and, and single and, and mm-hmm. making our own way and making our own money. And we don't need somebody. We just want to really want somebody. Mm-hmm. It's very important, I think, for women, especially to say, like, I don't want to have to need you. I need sure. to be in a place where I don't need you. It feels good to be wanted. It so does. <laughs> and, and it does I mean, feel good for somebody to say i need you you uh-huh. know i mean we all do kind of want to hear that even though we like, don't want to feel that way no. <laughs> <laughs> thanks that's a great response hey thanks buddy yeah it's like the thanks line in the movies me. the line in the movies when the two people are lying together in bed and one's like i love you and the other one's like thanks cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let, me, let me bring up this interesting experience so i'm Definitely coming off of the high of lovesickness, right? So this is where I'm at. And then I meet this really, and I'm like, no dating. Or like just, or just exploration with people that I already know. Because, you know, I'm a sex nerd and, you know, I can do stuff sometimes. But no, like, love stuff. Like, sure. gross. And then I meet this person at this party. And there's clearly, like, a mild, like, like nice attraction. Very open-hearted, nice person. I mean, so, and for me, my my type is like, oh, you're stable and in, and smart and interesting and you're like a keeper. Oh, wait, I'm not a, I don't want to keep anyone, but I'm attracted to the keeper type. Um, so I'm like, and he asks me out on a date. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. And he's like, one date. And I was like, one date, but only if there's only one date. So Dave, you know that I went on this date. Yeah, I was there. For a part of this date. <laughs> I went on a date. It wasn't me. That's interesting. But yeah, it was not me. I went on a date and it was only going to be one date. So it was like, I like, swore. That is so strange to me. Yeah. That me totally too. It's like, why go on a date exactly. if there's only going to be one day? Just, to, just to experience. Also, I just well, don't date a whole Just to hang out. You want to hang out? You can just hang out, you know? But a date implies the process of dating. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it was like dinner and a show. We went to your storytelling show, which was tons of fun. Thank I had a great you. time. Aww. And then we did end up, you know, hooking up. But the hooking up was like the most loving, sexy, like 
warm, like affectionate. Oh yeah, touching. that's da- like, that's dangerous. The first yeah. time, that's, seriously, yeah. like, there were candles lit and like we were I think like you having did like that bonding. To yourself by telling him you only had one date. He was like, "All right, well, I got to get nineteen dates into one night." You know. Well, I lit so, the candles. Like, did you? I was well, like, I guess you did that. We then. well, but we just connected really well. And so the thing is, the so you're next gonna go day, on a second date? No, like it was what? like it, that was a conversation. It was like there's yeah, everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, so lame. No, in the patterns of my life and love, especially uh-huh. in a attachment i know that that is a very dangerous thing because i know myself i know in terms of what i need what i want to date someone that's not looking for the things that i need or want that's a very dangerous thing to attach to someone like that so so he is looking for something very long-term and stable and he's giving you those vibes but you're not ready for that right he's like regular guy looking for love so she wants a typical guy looking for hate i don't i don't want anything well what are you doing later well So, so you think that you probably couldn't date him while you're also going on dates with other people. Like you would just very quickly fall into something with this guy, and you don't want to, right? Because that's just a really comfortable place for me that I'm familiar with. And you're not and ready I know for that, that. right? Yeah. But the reason I bring this up is because today is the, the like the afterglow. Like there's this ah oh, nice contentment. Like wow, that was really amazing. Like wow, it's n- neat to meet a stranger, and you can have this wonderful like back and forth. And like, and then all of a sudden, like the afternoon hits, I'm like, oh shit. Fear. Now I'm no, no. It's not fear. It's not like it, it's just feelings. It's like oh god. I want more of whatever that was. Last Are you like night. checking? You're like checking your phone. Yeah, to I'm see like, if he's do I text? Do I text? Yeah. But like, he knows. Like, there's no more. Like, we had the conversation. Like, so we're good. You know. But like, I was like, oh crap. Oh, you know. Yeah. So, what is that feeling of when you're like, no, cool? Because people will hook up and be like, oh, no, we just had sex. No big deal. And sometimes it is no big deal. But sometimes you're like lying to yourself. Yeah. You know, so what is that feeling that just creeps in there? That's like a bonding feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think it's person to person. I think that I've I've definitely known people who can just have a lot of meaningless sex. Mm-hmm. And I've never been one of these people who's good at that. You know, yeah, I've, I've, I'm definitely kind of a serial monogamous. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I've gone through periods where I said, I'm single and I need to just do this. Um, but it depends on the person. It's very easy to do it with somebody who I'm really attracted to physically. Mm-hmm. But like in no other way like that right. is kind of if i just need sex you know what i mean if that's something that i want to do i will make sure that i have sex with a guy who's really dumb because that <laughs> yeah. will that will ensure <laughs> that yeah. that i'm not going to develop any or like a guy who's i don't know like really christian or just something something that's like on my list where i'm like you know this or this guy believes the really christian this guy thing will in, work yeah no exactly or, or like he he believes in like magic no, or something yeah. like that or he like supports <laughs> romney no, you <laughs> So dumb. <laughs> Somebody yeah. who. Oh, that wasn't nice. You know, it's cool. Um, this is going to go up after the election, so we'll see what happens. Exactly. Oh, no. Um, oh, God. Let's not talk about <laughs> But it's. That's genius that you're immediately going for the immediate disqualifier. Yeah, because cause it's just about sex at this point. But mm-hmm. then. But these guys, you don't necessarily go on dates with you know that's that's a different thing because because like we were just saying like why go on a date if you don't want to try and have another one i don't know it's like then i feel like what you're looking for is companionship and i do know people who are very good at maintaining companionship in a dating kind of situation with multiple people i mean they just make it very clear i am not into commitment but i really Mm -hmm. care about you and you know i just don't want this to go to another place and i think it's really about honestly being honest and hoping that the people that you're with are honest too so that if you start to develop feelings where you say i'm getting jealous knowing that there are other people i'm starting to feel this way that you know you can go okay well maybe we can't continue this i mean i don't know other people are good at that i am not Oh, I yeah, do yeah. know people I, who are actually really good at that i, mean, I, I know polyamorous people who are good at that who are really really deep in well, that well it's really culture. what that is I, that's I, what 
I know right? people who kind of work in work in the Hollywood kind of industry who just aren't, I don't think, ready to settle down and date mm. a lot, a lot, a lot. And they're very respectful and they're great people, but they're, you know, they're like, this is what I'm about. And if that's going to be too much for you, then, you know, I, it's not going to work between us. Mm-hmm. And But it is easy to be that way when you have options. You know what I mean? It's much harder for here's, people who don't have options. Here's the vexing thing to me about your situation, though, because you... You say that it's not that you're not ready for something that is focusing on just one person or is mm-hmm. the intensity of like even approaching love or whatever. But you also want it. So like Oh, you're curious about what the heck's going on in, in this no, face right here? I, I mean, obviously we're not gonna figure out what's going on in your brain in the next thirty minutes. But oh, I'm, uh, I'm on it. I'm on the case. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, we yes. Uh we do have a scientist and science will tell you. Uh, oh yeah, science has all the answers. Especially to things like love. love? They're not complicated yeah. at all. And God. You have all the uh, scientific research yeah. just in your brain. Of course, all, yeah. yeah. Not, just, not confusing. Everything you say mastered. is based on pure scientific research, right? Right? Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Science Every, correspondent. Everything I say. <laughs> this is why I am great to be in a relationship with <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is like I go through these thoughts all the time too like uh, I'm constantly conflicted about where I'm at like we were talking about with the security thing I, I always especially now after this horrific breakup I had like a year or two ago mm-hmm. I'm like going for the stability thing but I also want it to be love. it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. but what you're saying like you don't want I don't want this but you actually do want it well I'm figuring so, out I'm, yeah. Okay. So in what where I am, guys <laughs> listening, um, in terms of me is I'm kind of it was nice to experience the extraction of no expectations, a nice, wonderful connection time, and then still experiencing those bonding feelings coming up, even though it was just an interesting thing to kind of have this isolated experience to kind of see what my brain, body, heart did. And I was like Damn it. Sure. I mean, and, and, and maybe you're in a place where you know that if you ate cheesecake every day, you would not be, you know, happy with yourself. But you know that you want to have cheesecake once in a while. You know what I mean? It's one of these things like you were talking about with these addiction feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to know that you're in a place where you're ready for that. It's another thing to say, you know, I think I deserve to be happy and, and I could experience this and it would make me happy. It's just do the immediate days, weeks afterward, are they detrimental? Or is that you know, feeling that you have this, like, I'm checking my phone all the time. Holy crap. Did I get into something that I'm not ready for? Mm -hmm. Is that going to fade? And if it fades and that's really what you want, I think that that's okay. But yeah, I think what you're experiencing is just a little bit of withdrawal. You had a nice hit, you know? Okay. So that brings up, Oh, I'm so glad you said withdrawal. So, (laughs) okay. So I know you broke it down into like, um, the, uh, lust part and then there's the bonding part and then there's the longevity part. But when you say withdrawal from love, I mean, is it basically like a drug that you get addicted to? And then because it makes you feel good. It's like cocaine or so I hear. Um, and then, wow. it, it actually kind of is like, OK, I mean, yeah, um, it, it <laughs> <laughs> listen to Sandra's other podcast, Cocaine Nerd Sandra. <laughs> Swear to God, I've never done it. Swear to God. Right after this. Um, Not yet. Right after this. I've actually never done cocaine. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I haven't. And yeah. I've been pretty open uh, about like yeah. all of my experimental like fun. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I think I like pseudo tried it once, and I was like, not for me because I do not like uppers. It's horrific. It's I, awful. Yeah. I've done it many many times, so it's yeah, great. yeah. And and many <laughs> people have. But. I've never actually done it, guys. Like, actually, haven't done it. Don't do it. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> I've never even it's, seen cocaine. You know what the worst thing? I've never, really? probably, really? I've never seen cocaine. Oh my god! I did. Where did co- you grow up? I don't know. I hung out with like nice Christian kids in high school and like theater people. And I did coke at a the first. 
time I ever did it was at a baby shower. Like, that's <laughs> totally true. Amazing. Your life. <laughs> <laughs> My life. Your life. <laughs> but but yeah. So so the idea here is that um and again I think that we have to be careful when we talk about the science of these things to understand that what well, we're we're not necessarily talking about something experiential or, or maybe we are but but it's difficult to to quantify it. There have been experiments done where where the brains of people who are newly or freshly broken up are imaged in like an fMRI, a functional magnetic resonance imager. And certain regions of the brain, certain pathways will light up and, and they look very similar to the brains of people who are being imaged who are going through withdrawal. And it seems like there's a parallel between this kind of love, lust, addiction, breakup, awfulness, and withdrawal because there's a really similar neurochemical involved, which is Mm -hmm. dopamine. And dopamine is created and it is um, released and it is absorbed in very specific pathways in the brain. Mm -hmm. And, And these very similar pathways are involved in both of these processes. So, of course, I think that we're going to experience them in somewhat similar ways. But that doesn't mean that there's not a million other things that are happening in the brain sure. that make mm-hmm. it so that cognitively we can deal with it in different ways. But there is still a core kind of pang of like, I need it. It's, but a, wait, physical, this is a, good right? it's a physical ache. Like I was yeah. having like like stomach and heart pain. Well, think about it. Like you, we're creatures of habit, right? At least, mm-hmm. I mean, so lots of people are. I am. I'm such a creature of routine and I get used to things. Everything's like in the eye of the beholder, right? It's mm-hmm. all the, your perspective. So, I mean, like in the sense that we, my idea of starving is not the idea of starving for someone who's in Africa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So of if course, I get yeah. into a relationship and and I've been used to not having constant, consistent affection or someone to go to to like have a shoulder to cry on or whatever, I've become used to having this sort of like safety net mm-hmm. and then it's gone and I didn't realize that that was so much of my life and it I could yeah it's awful it's absolutely terrible and there's a chemical thing too but I think also like it just blows that you don't yeah. have this part of your life totally. that that's was definitely true you and so. you you don't realize how much stuff you know because like a just person like the, to you is like a thi- it's like a tangible entity mm-hmm. you don't realize how much kind of intangible experience and how many you know, facets of your life they fill. So when you lose that person, you're not just losing that person. Sure. Like you said, you're losing the familiarity of what breakfast was like and you're losing well, having that person like, to call at that certain time of day. Yeah, totally. Well, and you know, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, no. uh, we're the tissue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I have a, uh, I've been single for a while now. And so when I have like a, sometimes I'll have a really, really stressful day. Uh, and, and like I date and stuff, but it's never, I haven't had something like, like really serious, like we're talking about, you know, consistent affection. So like I sometimes I'll have a super stressful day and someone will just walk by and like touch me on the shoulder or something and it will remove like 50% of the stress. I think we don't give enough credit to like even just delicate, like brief human contact. Oh, yeah. And heavy human contact from a person all the time is like. Jesus. And you can take it for granted really easily. Yeah. You know, what was, uh, I think, on his deathbed or something like that, Bobby Fischer, you know, mm-hmm. the, the chess player who mm-hmm. ended yeah. up basically becoming super like, paranoid and schizophrenic and, and thought the Russians were after him. When he died, his, his uh, I think his famous deathbed quote was, there's nothing so healing as the human touch. Huh. You know, and it's true. I mean, it's, it's so funny how just feeling contact 
like intimate content. And it, it's also strange how I have these friends, you know, these uh, mostly male friends who will, you know, are single and, you know, maybe date a lot of people at the same time. And, and sometimes they'll tell me, you know, w- when I do have sex with these different girls or whatever, it's, it's less about sex. It's less about getting my rocks off. Like I can kind of do that on my own. It's more mm-hmm. just about intimacy, even though it's, it's brief. Yeah. Even if I'm not really comfortable with them spending the night, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. It's just having a warm body in bed with me. Like that's totally. what I'm really craving, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, this, I haven't been told this in a little while, actually, like a few years. But I used to, like, when girls would stay over at my place, whether we were uh, had just started dating or it was a one-night stand or whatever, I would get every time, every time a girl stayed over at my place, <laughs> we'd wake up in the morning and they'd be like, wow, you're a weird sleeper. And I'd be like, what do you mean? <laughs> and apparently, in my sleep, I would just, like crush on the girl just like just like put my hands all over her <laughs> all night or just like hug her and not let go like just all night that is adorable uh, I dated a, <laughs> it is. it's adorable but i dated a comedian for a time who broke my heart so bad really? several years ago yeah oh yeah oh it was oh it was crucial to my development as a human being <laughs> like it was like oh man monumental. Sure. and he would just like like tackle me for bedtime. It was just like, and he would just hold. And I was just like, I, I remember the first night we slept in the same bed. I could not sleep because he was just like, right on there. Yeah, Man. I feel like that would be too much for like a long term. Yeah, but I gotta tell you, for a one night stand, especially if you've it, if it's been a while, mm-hmm. how amazing is that? It's like, why cool. not squeeze everything out of it yeah. that you can? Uh-huh, you know? That's true. Yeah, it's literally just squeeze, just, squ- just squeeze it all out. Like mice, men. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> killer, killer, killer. killer. Yeah. If it's yeah, a one night stand, killer. Yeah, and I think that's it's funny. Too like I, it, it's a weird thing to bring up. But do you guys have pets? No, I need yes. one. You, yeah, like I, I have a puppy. So uh, he's not a puppy anymore, but he's two and a half. But he still looks and acts like a puppy. Oh. And just he, you know, especially having a dog because dogs are just really, really just attached and affectionate. I, it, I, he fills a lot of those voids for me too. Like I definitely, there are times when I just need another person. But definitely, if I'm kind of lonely, if I need contact. You know, yeah. puppy, puppy contact can kind of do too. So I need totally. a dog. Well, and I will notice, I have a cat, and I, I will notice that she will get bitchier and bitchier the more stressed out I am. And I think that's like, you know, part of it is just <laughs> responding to, you know, whatever the living situation is. But also, the more stressed out I get, the less I'll hang out with her. And I'll just be... And so, like a couple months ago, I noticed that my cat was like angry at me all the time and like just peeing on stuff. And... uh <laughs> Like I need to actually take some time and like make sure I hang out with my cat for like yeah. a little while every day, and for one thing, it made me way happier almost immediately. Yeah. And same with her. Like she just stopped like peeing on stuff and screaming Aww, at me all day. That's good. Yeah. yeah. We that's we don't like cats that pee on stuff. It's a all good the time. relationship. Some people might. Some people <laughs> might. We should we that's should talk about thing. Talk about them. On we should the have a whole time. episode. <laughs> Hey, I was at a pool party recently and some guy was telling me all about his, you know, water sports fetish, you know, and I was like fascinated because I'd never really talked to someone in depth. Water about. sports. Is that a euphemism for? for peeing I had no on idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was going to fill you in to what we were just I was going to finish. I'm sitting here literally thinking of a guy like on a <laughs> polo. Why are you? Yeah. Like, like a jet ski could feel so kind of good. <laughs> under, I don't know. Like an inner tube? Yeah. I don't understand. I love it. I love it. It could be a small inner tube. Um... No, but it was interesting because then I because like an hour later I was like okay I need to get out of this pool because I really need to pee and he's like oh you tease and I was oh like oh my <laughs> god yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I know we're supposed to we should stay very sex positive no, I mean, <laughs> but, yeah, oh, but still but wow don't be a creep 
<laughs> well, I mean, it was in, it, considering the context of like everybody's like friendship and stuff. It was totally it was fine. Like jokey. But, okay, but I, it was funny. And for a minute, I did was like, oh, is this? Yeah. Okay, wait, no, he's joking. Okay, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. you sure. wanted to, no, I don't, I just need to pee, man. <laughs> like, I gotta go. So. What if you said it? The way that you delivered it was you getting out of the pool, like, oh, I gotta pee, and he was like, you, Wasn't that bad at all. Picturing this dude in a trench coat with, like, wet hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a hot tub fully clothed. Yeah. Like, he's an absolute totally. sweetheart. He's actually a wonderful human being. So it was funny. just, like, I forget about these. You, know, you never know when you're like, oh, I just got new shoes. And you never know if someone's of a shoe fetish. You know, true. you don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, if you true. live your life trying to prevent yourself from getting giving people getting people off on their fetishes, you just won't be able to ever leave the house. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of strange fetishes. Out sure. There. Yeah. yeah. Foot, foot fetish is the most popular, as we learned um, yeah. at the Pervertibles uh, podcast. Feet, and, and probably to me, least creepy. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. really creepy because it's it kind of works in. I mean, you know, even if it's not a fetish per se, like feet are there when you're having sex. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. there's feet involved. Hey, whatever. I, think I might have a face fetish. Is that me uh, too? Yeah. I think I, I might really be into. Yeah, I think. Well, that's like for that's me the most important thing. Can I touch the, it? Can I touch that's it? That's like what it's supposed no, to be. No, no, that's I my fetish. I want to touch it. <laughs> my fetish is that you don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> want to touch his face? Um, so, so off topic, um, <laughs> no, but you were, you were talking about kind of this idea of like getting this, this hit, getting this mm-hmm. fix from this person. I got and a then, major fix last night. Yeah. And then, and then kind of like coming down off of it. You're, you're great. You're after glowing for like mm-hmm. hours and then you start to kind of come down off of it. And then that's when you start to feel like this, this, I need it again. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to be okay. And sometimes you're going to go back. And it's funny because in those, once you know, once you like text and you say, yeah, let's do something tonight or whatever, you know, you know, it's been a week it's been a month whatever oh we're gonna get together tonight kind of everything is okay in your life you know what i mean leading up to that experience like you're calm you're excited right. you don't have any stress everything's okay and then while you're in it of course you're just in it your head is just not even thinking about the rest of your life and mm-hmm. then right after it's this funny thing again where you know you're gonna have this glow but then do you crash you know mm-hmm. do you do you immediately go did I just do or or are you like okay that's what I needed like that's and I think a lot of that just probably has to do with you knowing what it is that you need mm-hmm. if if probably if you're going into it thinking like am I making a mistake then maybe afterwards you're gonna think oh I just made a mistake right because right. I was worried that in this time that like okay I don't want to do the thing where you just start hooking up with random people and it's and then you just feel weird the next day and it's kind of this strange like you know I don't want like a car accident you know in my you know love and sex life like that's not how I don't want to be irresponsible like that to myself or others but then this thing this like opportunity came along and it's like I have no guilt today I don't have any stress I mean it's, it was just a really lovely evening but then you just get the freaking withdrawals and then it's like <laughs> oh god the darkness falls again the, uh. the darkness falls again oh my god <laughs> And that's too why I think it's kind of dangerous sometimes, I think, as scientists, too, because a, a big part of what, what scientists do, they, they do the research, but then they don't always do the messaging and they leave that up to the media. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times what will happen is, is um, you know, for example, I technically, I guess I'm in the media now. Um, and it, yes, you are. People it's will, official. I know. It's just it's weird to me. Um, and people will get like a press release or whatever. They'll, they'll read a paper and hopefully they read the freaking paper and they don't just write off of the press release, but they'll get a paper, they'll read about it, and then they will message it in a way to get the clicks on the headline and to Blah, blah, blah. Totally. So, so to be equating things all the time, oh, this is just like withdrawal and it's blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? It kind of fundamentally inherent in the in the word drug use is something negative. You know, it's 
it's like oh it's 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 like withdrawing from cocaine well then right. we think all of a sudden then that like these hookups or these love experiences are negative and we're right. withdrawing from something negative mm-hmm. but i don't think it has to be the case you know you can't really spin like a coke habit into something that was like that's really healthy and good for my life sure. um, <laughs> you could try but i think that there there are kind of experiences whether they are monogamous non-monogamous you know ongoing brief one night stands whatever that a lot of it is up to interpretation about where you are in your life what you're ready to handle if you guys are on the same page i mean that's a mm-hmm. huge part of it mm-hmm. are you seeing eye to eye right. or is there something weird and unrequited here and you don't want to hurt people exactly you clear commu- and there was clear communication about this is what it is and that's always the most important thing because the truth of the matter is if you don't lie, if you're really, really honest, you know, you cannot control whether or not somebody else is lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you can't carry that guilt around with Sometimes you. Sometimes you can tell though. You yeah, can you tell can. kind of in their face. You're like, oh yeah, you're totally lying. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Um, interesting about getting your fix. And this isn't something I think is an issue with just, I mean, because we're going to, we're as creatures, we have certain needs. And I think our needs for human touch and community is really undervalued and just not paid attention to so that when we do get touched like if you're having you know dave you said like when you're having a hard day suddenly you're just like ah oh. and maybe we should also integrate more physical touch just in a lot of our friendships like more hugs and more just like hand holding or just like i i am lucky and so fortunate to have lots of friends who are filled with love and just are programmed to just love so like i have a friend who he just went through a breakup and we have have had cuddle nights the last few week um like every week and we just we just cuddle and are just like, meh. He's like, mm-hmm. meh. Sure. And we just are like that. And that it's, like, it's so adorable. feeding. Yeah, we're just sad. Um, and it's wonderfully bonding. And so we become closer friends because of it. You, you should know? totally borrow my puppy because he's awesome at stuff can like I that. Can I borrow your puppy? You can. I, need, I love puppies. <laughs> you can. He's really good with like cuddle nights. And my attachment <laughs> style is very much like puppies. Like I will love on someone like dogs love on their owners. I'm just like, I'm like a lap dog and I yeah. just, you know, so that's like really strong attachment. So, so, but, but nice. do you ever, are, are you concerned? I guess this isn't a question that I would have because I, I love what you're saying and I, w- I would love to be able to do that more with more of my guy friends, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a lot of like one way with a lot of my sure. guy friends. So like, are you concerned at all that in being in an intimate space with somebody is also compromising? Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel like you know exactly how this, this friend of yours feels? I mean, it's like so much easier when your friends are gay. Yeah. You g- know what I mean? Friends are great. Also a female friends, just any kind of yeah. lover, just in, where it's a lot more platonic. Um, I mean, we have conversations around that and I mean, it's just, well, that's something that could happen. So oh, I see. But, so you're both kind of like, you know, but it's right now we're, we're both such a mess in that at area of our lives that it's kind of like, you know, this is great. And then we just go, this is exactly what I needed. That's no nice. more, but this is what I needed. And I'm like, yeah, that's, this is what I needed. Yeah. You know? I think the complicated thing is when you have somebody in your life and I've been on both sides of this. Um, but I, I tend to m- mostly be friends with guys. I have a few very good girlfriends that whose relationships I really cherish, but I'm, I'm learning how to build stronger relationships with girls because so I tend am to I. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> I tend to have a lot of really strong relationships with guys, but it's, it's, it's a little naive for me. I mean, and I will be naive there about is it. that heartstring pull. You can kind of get always, a sense of I that. Mean, always, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's one of those things where I'm keeping it at bay and I might feel it or, but a, a lot of times, 
you know, they'll feel it or they've made it explicit. And I have to say, you know, it's just that's not going to work. And and it is easier. It's much easier when you're just not attracted to somebody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because then you can just kind of say like in your own head, like that's not where it's going to go. And it's difficult if they're attracted to you. But but if you're honest, you're honest. It's much harder if there's even like a remote amount of attraction, because then it's really about constantly reminding each other where you are in your life whether or not you are going to go there, you know, and if you're single, that's fine. See, but like in terms of how I'm programmed, I'm just mildly attracted to everyone, you know, like there's nice. just a mild attraction. To just, yeah. I'm like, I just like people. And so like, it's kind of like, it's very fluid in terms of that stuff. So man, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should hang out. I have a really good friend who's like, very rarely attracted to anybody. I mean, it's kind mm. of like her downfall. It's really hard for her to meet people because she's like, it's so rare mm-hmm. that that when I meet somebody, I'm really attracted to them. Well, and strong attraction's hard for me. Yeah. I can be mild, like medium attraction, but but don't you feel like that kind of stuff can grow? Like if you're mild or or, or like moderately attracted to somebody, when you meet them, it, when you start to date them, don't they become more attractive to you? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. This re- this is actually a really interesting different version of the love conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. and Dave, I think I've told you about this, but so often people, if they don't feel a spark there immediately. They're like, nah, no, nah. like you, know, you have to have that draw, that like fire, like, oh wow, this is oh hello. You know, like, you want to eat them alive immediately, you're like, this is a good thing. Wow. And if not, people just kind of are like, whatever, I'm not yeah. into it. And I started dating because I always give the nice person the chance. Like that's sort of you know, sure. and uh I started when I was single several years ago, um, I started dating this one guy because he really was like I didn't even know he like we worked together and, and he, he treated me really like he ignored me, but it turned out he was just scared of me. Aww. And I was like, oh, and so we met like at the very, we finally, okay, we went on a date and I was totally not interested, but he was really nice. And I was really drunk this one time and he like proved that he was a totally good guy. So I was like, wow, you're a really good guy. So then like we went on several <laughs> dates and then like it was still kind of weird and we like stayed in contact and then it's a long life story, but eventually after especially he got more comfortable because nerds be uncomfortable sometimes and aren't themselves which to me is like so attractive by the way like when they're uncomfortable like i love nervous guys really but there's cute and nervous love man we would have been great together in high school (laughs) (laughs) to me it's like i don't know why it's like really flattering to me if i'm with a guy and he's like kind of shaking in his boots a little bit it like is kind of an ego boost is that weird Okay, hold on a second. Dominatrix. No, 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 honestly, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I am talking to a girl who is attracted to nervous guys and a girl who gives nice guys a chance. The, Not the, every nice guy. There's too many of those. <laughs> that is so impossible to, to put together. Those are two things that guys like me have, say our entire lives. Uh, like, you say you want a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like, that, that crazy argument. Uh, it's just amazing to me that I'm amidst two people that, that are attracted but to But you that. know what, too? I think that, that, or at least I hope, and it's hard in this town specifically. Like, I don't know if everybody who listens to this podcast knows that we are in Los Angeles, so this mm-hmm. is a very yep. tough town for dating. Sure. Um, um, even though there there is a great nerd community here, and, and you're probably like me, Sandra, like, I love nerds. Have I mean, you that's been to of- Mi- Wait, have you ever been to Mindshare LA? No. <sighs> Oh my god, it's like a meat market for smart men. Amazing. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's really good. You this go. is hilarious. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but I do think that kind of what you were saying, it's it's one of these things where, you know, I, I feel like in high school, people haven't really developed and, and they don't really know what they're looking for. And, and as girls get older, I mean, hopefully, you know, the right girls at least, they do want a guy who is nice. You know, we don't want to be treated like crap. And we do like a guy who is maybe not so experienced and so full of himself and so cocky. Like we just, we like guys that are smart and who care and who, you know, are just 
real. I mean, to me, that's the most important well, thing. Balanced. Are you real? And you, I mean, when you start, like, realizing... I can take or leave that. Honestly, I'm kind. I'm I'm weirdly kind of like, balance. Yeah. Well, like, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those thrill, you know, how everybody has like their weird thrill thing that they're like, yeah, I don't know. It kind of draws me in. Like, I don't, I don't mind a guy who's a little mentally ill. <laughs> okay. We can also, balance can be so many things to somebody depending oh, on true. your experiences. But like for me, fiscal responsibility is now so hot. I'm oh, like, it is wow. Really Look at you. I'm like, wow, you're in the green. Is nice. This is so hot. ridiculous. <laughs> That's so true like, though. You're so not in So now. ridiculous. <laughs> fiscal responsibility. Nice. Uh, there's yeah. no way you're telling the truth yeah <laughs> well but then i've had people be like why are you dating that like like almost every person that i actually end up in a relationship people are like i don't understand why you're dating this person like so it is really like, why because they're not because, fiscally responsible because they're not they're like the sh- happy shiny star person fancy person at the party like they're not like the hey I'm, well that's the thing that's well, never the guy i'm dating i'm always dating the guy who was like in the back corner at the party who was like really quiet and sort of brooding and to me like really interesting and i can't figure everything out about him just by looking at him the first time you oh, know yeah, what i mean the that, mystery that's like always been really attractive to me and a lot of times that that kind of goes hand in hand with a guy just being like really nerdy mm-hmm. like he's really smart he has a lot going on in his mind he's now we're just advertising us as a nerd dating. That's all we're doing now. Like, but you know, so what? you find yourself uh, pursuing a lot of guys. Like, have you? Do you do the majority of the pursuing? I, I I think it depends. You know, I, I think that historically, if if I'm in a place where I feel kind of strong, you know, and and I've been single for a while, I I probably do. I yeah. probably make it pretty apparent like who I'm into it and kind of mm-hmm. go for that. But I also have a tendency to and which I'm tr- like it's very important to me that I don't do this in the future but I have a tendency to be very much like a serial monogamist and sure. so immediately after a breakup I think I'm like You'll just jump in. I'm, yeah, I'm like a little extra vulnerable, a little more kind of open. And mm-hmm. so, you know, whether I pursue that, I'm probably not actively pursuing, but there's enough people kind of there. Like that the rebound go there. Is, ha- is just the is rebound is the next, next relationship. relationship. That's always. what I did for yeah. like 14 years. Yeah. And so now I'm like, hell no. Yeah. Uh-uh, no, it's not, it's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's like what I want to be able to prove to myself always. And it, anytime I'm in between relationships, I need to come back to this place where you reset and you go, I can stand on my own two feet. I can make sure that I eat three square meals a day, that I go to bed at a decent hour, that I wake up at a decent hour. Like all of these things are really, really important to me. And they're things that honestly, I forget if I'm actually good at taking care of myself in that way when I'm in a relationship because it's so easy with this kind of male-female dynamic to be taken care of, to kind of be like, I don't know what I want to eat, you know? And he's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'll take you out to dinner and I'll do this. And and those kinds of things which are... which are wonderful and they make you feel really good very quickly kind of become crutches mm-hmm. or whatever your pattern is in your relationship exactly. because yeah. that's like I'm more of like the care to, like I'm more the nurturer I'm like the mom like I'm such a nurturer and then like then I have no one to nurture except myself and that's just boring you know I'm like I don't want to nurture myself I'm, oh give my me gosh. someone to love give me we someone should, like, I totally someone. like totally date like I will love you I'm like the exact opposite I'm like this person who's like a neurotic mess all what, the time what, and, like, let's get you yeah, like I forget to eat dinner <laughs> and I'm like always stressed out and I really need somebody who's just like you're okay we're gonna get through the day and it's gonna be really you know i need like a nurturer in my life but but if you're <laughs> overly nurtured you kind of forget to take, yeah, to take care totally. of yourself after a while and that's like and then you don't feel strong mm-hmm. and you need to be able to feel strong on your own so you can bring something to a relationship please god tell me that the resolution of the love love episode <laughs> is that you're in love uh, <laughs> are the two of you in love that would be wonderful we're, we're all just gonna uh, end this episode crying yeah yeah <laughs> That's you know. Either of you is on either of my shoulders, just, cry, just tears coming. And what yeah. about you? Are you in love? I am not. I am not in love. 
I'm sorry. I feel like at any given time I'm in love. I'm always yeah, or out of falling actually, out of love. It's or been some bumming kind of me out. I used to be that somewhere way. Somewhere in there. I yeah. used to like be really. I would just it, my life was like always some sort of fire. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like either like extreme love or extreme pain from losing love, and uh, that hasn't been the case for like two or three years, and it's like a bummer. Mm-hmm. I miss it. I miss like I like having like wanting something you know what i mean wanting yeah. someone i really yeah. miss that. but even when i'm not like you know like intense and hot and like you know technically in a relationship or whatever i have so many people in my life like i'm one of these people who stays really close to my exes too oh, okay, like yeah. i'm really close to everybody who i've ever really shared that part of myself with because it's very hard for me to open up in that way that even when i'm not like in love i'm still kind of in love like sure. it's yeah i have these like this hey, special place in myself for people who no matter if I'm moving on, that's a great on, way to be. Yeah, somebody, yeah. somebody, nobody's gonna fill that what that other person had. It's They're still your life there. bond to a certain extent. Like that's if you're true. worthy enough to be with and to bond with, then you're worthy to be in line my life even beyond the breakup. That's how I, I always think it's weird when people break up and then they're just like out of my life forever. Totally. I'm like, you just invested so much in that yeah. person. Yeah. Oh my mm. God, you're totally like saying things that I feel, man. <laughs> like totally though. But then sometimes they're weirded out. Like the minute you start getting involved with someone else and then they're like, it, well, and that's the thing. Well, that's, yeah, pain is a problem. Yeah. That's something I go through. The last two girlfriends, like long-term girlfriends I've had, I, we had to cut it off for a while. But now I'm, yeah, now I'm friends with both of them. It yeah, and I think that that's sometimes. important. But we yeah. also have this weird part of ourselves where like, well what do I want I want to be able to date this person and love this person and have that but I don't want the person I'm with to be able to do you know it's like there's a weird thing where we have these double standards where it's like I want to be able to be selfish and amazing but I'm also way too insecure for the person that I love to be able to do Mm -hmm. that and we talked about some of that stuff in our polyamory all-stars or gold star polyamory episode about a lot of that like yeah, that's yeah. I could never. I don't think I could ever get away with that. I'm just too insecure. Yeah. But that maybe that's another thing where when you go through these periods of singlehood, where it's like important for you to kind of really focus on yourself and grow, so that maybe each time you start a new relationship or you get back into an old relationship or whatever the future holds, that you are coming at it just a little more secure, a mm-hmm. little more ready, so sure. that you're a stronger, kind of better companion. You the should next always. Time. You should always learn, and I mean, yeah, you need to constantly further your your development. Yeah. Um, Tying in what I was saying about the guy that I dated for a long time uh, without being interested is that the bonding happened and sort of the opening up happened and we fell in love, like I fell in love very slowly and it became one of the strongest bonds that I've ever had with a human being. And when we did break up just for life bath things, like it was extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. And so even though there wasn't that fire at first and I was like, ah, oh, he's just nice. I just need nice right now. Need nice. And then mm-hmm. it became like... Oh my God. It was like the most amazing connection. And my shrink would totally agree with you. And that's something that like I struggle with too. When you talk to your therapist and they tell you things that you don't want to hear mm-hmm. and you're just like, nah, I disagree. <laughs> but he, I mean, that's always what he says is like, you know, the, the passion will, will, will come the longer that you, you stick with it. And the truth is that you want to like nurture that and, and let it grow. And, and these kind of like long-term life bonding commitment kind of relationships are the ones that have staying power. Mm-hmm. And then my problem is like, well, I'm 29 years old. Am I ready mm-hmm. for staying power? Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, I, I think that that's amazing for mm-hmm. people who are ready to settle down. But if you're not ready to settle down, it's yeah. a little bit scary. It's very scary. I mean, I knew with that guy that, I mean, we had physical chemistry. So even though there wasn't a whole lot of like zing, 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 I was like, oh, there's a lot to work with here. So I stuck with it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, the zing, 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 it's not going to last any. If that's all you have going for Mm -hmm. you, you know, that's not love. either. Although Mating in Captivity, if you know that book, like uh, Uh -uh. it's a really great book for exactly if you're a serial monogamous, like it's all it's 
this the kind of that, an amazing title yeah yeah no it's a it's, great title it's yeah, all about keeping the fire alive in long-term relationships and it's uh the best of and it's, it's not kind. i mean it's completely necessary yeah. and totally normal i'm sure that people mm-hmm. people have to do that all the time i've, I've got to work on being long-term i don't, I don't really have that skill well th- i mean you know yeah. my my most is like three and a half years yeah, I'm around there too. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to finish it up because I know we're running out of time and Dave, you need to run out soon, right? Um, but blame Dave. <laughs> no, I mean, no, but, you know, we're getting to the hour, but this has well, been really fun. That's what happens when you're not in love yeah. uh, by the end of the episode. Well, and I've got like 10 <laughs> minutes left on my on meter. <laughs> like, honestly. I honestly <laughs> feel like I should go just to give you guys some alone. <laughs> just, like, just eye gaze because eye gaze helps with bonding. Oh, yeah, we are you sitting know, right also, across from each other. Hi. It's Uh-oh. great for an audio medium. <laughs> And I, ha- I have to say, even though I know that you are going to like wrap it up really quickly, you know what the uh, most powerful predictor of attraction is? <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> Can we guess first? Mm-hmm. Wait, okay, powerful. Most powerful indicator of attraction? Yeah, predictor. Like what? Predictor. What, yeah. Like, like if I know a bunch of people that are looking for love, how can I figure out? Like between two people, if you were to look at two people, what would Yeah, like be? what factor would have been the, the most measured in their attraction to one another? Equality of attraction. Like, like they're both a similar level of attraction. Attraction. Okay. Okay. That's that's good. Oh What's your guess? man, I have. I I do not even have a guess. I have no idea. Okay. You know what it is? Uh, what is it? Proximity. Proximity. Just how much you see each other. Of course. Yep. That makes sense. I've thought mm-hmm. about that so much. Yep. Because I that that thing that people say, or like, there's someone out there for everyone, or some people say there's one person. Is such bullshit, you know? Yeah. Because people fall oh, in love in a bullshit. town of 40 people, you know? No, I mean? always. And, you know, the funny thing is, I'm trying to look it up really quickly. Let me see if I can ha- get it here because I know you have to end things. But um, actually, that's what that guy did is he was constantly just every so often being like, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? And he just he wouldn't give up. And there was just this, like, he just became very familiar to me. And so there was a certain proximity because he was actively. That's why so many people like bad music, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, just because <laughs> you hear it all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like most people. Um, I guess I, I thought there was going to be a statistic, but there isn't in, in something that I wrote it before. It's called the mere exposure effect um, of the, or the familiarity principle. But most people fall in love and get married to somebody that they work with, went to school with, or grew up in their neighborhood. Sure, yeah. <sighs> Crazy. And what, what's the, the Frank Sinatra line? When I'm not near the girl I love, I love the girl I'm near. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, isn't it like if you can't get or you love the person with the one that you love? love yeah. Love the one, the one you're with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's true. It's just, it's just seeing somebody all the time makes them more and more attractive to oh, you. Man. So, you know, it, there's hope. Um, all right. Well, well, I got to go hang out outside Richard Gere's house. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I ask one question like really quick? Uh-huh. How does arousal affect the decision-making process? Oh, yeah. This is a complicated one. Is it complicated? Honestly, I don't think that there's like a really clear answer for this, but yeah, it affects it. So the minute you're turned on (laughs) or you have that. It affects (laughs) it. You know, one thing that, that, that studies have shown is that when you're aroused, things that would usually cause a disgust response, it, that, that response is muted. Which would explain why there's so many things that we do in sex that, like, biologically we would never do with somebody mm-hmm. that's just, like, sitting on the bus next to us. Right. Um, because we're so aroused and right. we're so attracted. There's all sorts of things that, like, 
probably, you know, if we really stopped and thought about it cognitively is not healthy, is not safe in terms of the bacteria exchange, you know, sure. it's just like, but, but we don't even have that kind of, that disgust response sort of goes out the window during like high levels of arousal. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. See, what I like about this though, is I find interesting as a sex educator is to talk to people when they're in the unaroused state about things that people do when they are aroused, you get like, you get nervous laughter and you get like, yeah, disgust or like weird mm-hmm. feelings. And, but the thing is like, because we're talking about a completely different brain state that you're in, when you're turned on and got that flush going and everything's hot and everything's kind of blurred and different. Yeah. Um, even if you're just sober. And I was sober last night, P.S., on that. We were completely <laughs> sober during that date. But yes. you know what? It's, but it's, it's the same thing with love. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with that love response where, like, it's very easy to sit down with all of your friends or with your shrink and say, you know, this is how I feel and I'm trying to figure this out. Okay, so when you see him tomorrow night, make sure that you do this, this, and this and don't let him do this. And blah, blah. And then the minute that you're back in there, you're like, Oh, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's I so remember bad. anything we said to each other. Yeah. You know, because you're in a different mental mm. state completely. Yeah. Mm. Takes over. I have to scream at myself in my head. Sandra, don't do that. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Don't kiss them. Like, have your friend like periodically text you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> don't do it. Remember yeah. what we said last night? Or like, did you guys see that episode of The New Girl? No. no. Oh, you don't watch that. It's really funny. Well, uh, anybody listening knows what I'm talking about, where the, the one roommate had a video made after he broke up with his girlfriend, where he's just like, I'm never going to be okay. And they like played it every time he would talk about getting back with her, you know? Because <laughs> you don't remember. Sure. You totally don't. I actually, I went through this with a friend uh, a little while ago, like six or eight months ago, where he was like, Told me the day that he broke up with this girl, like, dude, like, you gotta help me stay in check. Like, just tell me. And I was like, okay. And I did it. He <laughs> fucking hated me. For uh, sure. <laughs> it's kind of like that, like, tying them down to give them the injection, like, this is what's best for you, yeah, you know? Totally. Like, I totally. don't believe you. <laughs> I need it. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. It's, uh, God, yeah. And, and the ex person I was around was like, did something I was like wow you're a wonderful and terrible person right now and he's like yeah and then like five minutes later we're like goo-gooing at each other I'm like oh this is bad this yeah. is the worst that's the thing too yeah love can make you like I mean look <sighs> at people take take it to the extreme look at people who like you know have like domestic violence and things like that and it's just like right I don't care because I'm so in love with him like it can make you make you need to be crazy smart crazy bad decisions yeah. when you're in love yeah and I've had to walk away from crazy love and you have to be strong enough to really go for what you need. Yeah. As you much know, as that crazy love care makes you feel something. And, you know, it's like the highs are probably the highest highs you've ever had, but the lows match them. Sometimes staying yeah. in that moderate space is actually what's healthier. And yeah, I think as we get older, we, l- we learn to kind of pull away from that Romeo and Juliet love mm-hmm. and, yeah. and pull more into love that's going to be like lasting, yeah. you know, so that we don't end up having a suicide pact. <laughs> right. sure. That's not a good yes, outcome. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, Kara Santa Maria, where can people find you out in the world? You can find me at Huffington Post Science. Um, you can click on Talk Nerdy to me at the top of the page. You can look at carasantamaria.com and that'll redirect you there you can also follow me on twitter at cara santa maria spelled with a c and on facebook facebook.com slash science cara ah science all yeah. right dave that was great it's a great episode it's yeah, fun cara, so you're gonna go you out so with that much. guy again okay. <sighs> i am not and if i do that will be hilarious if you do you're gonna text yeah. both of us immediately i will yeah. let you know okay. most likely though i need to just sit with this one and feel those feelings i will bet you mm-hmm. i will bet you however much $200 that that guy texts you within not within oh, the next three days today. but within we already the next five days no, I already thanked him for a great time and he was like whatever no but I mean like yeah like that's to, fine no, like I'm talking about like, again. yeah I think in 
between three and five days from now, he's going to be freaking out and ask you. It's going to be during the post-election kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Calm. If Obama wins, it'll, <laughs> it's going to be sooner. I'm not going to take. I mean, I can't take responsibility for some other human's actions, so I'm not going to take that bet. Okay, that you, you should bet her that she's going to text him back and like with something coy that's not that, directly saying okay, oh, but, stop but it, that's guys. keeping him yes. on the so wrong. Yeah. This is so <laughs> wrong. I do bet that. Hey, I absolutely I mean, bet hey, that. Hey, we were talking about and, this is a weak place. I will I'm in a weak place. That, that you will do that, and then you will uh, you will cover for yourself to me and say like, no, look, we're just gonna, you're gonna say something like we're gonna go get coffee, but it was just because he needed help with his fucking whatever. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. I'm and, in a weak place, guys. You he, can't he needed judge. advice about how to record a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, guys, no, my face hurts. I'm only <laughs> look. I'm only marrying him because he's <laughs> smart, nice, and nervous. Uh, and financially responsible. <laughs> oh, so hot. Oh, that was fun. Well, well, sex nerds, thank you for listening. And, um, you know, let's let's feel some things. You know, feel some things. Vote. <laughs> After the fact. Yeah. yeah. You voted. <laughs> yeah, you thank voted. Thank you for voting. Now leaving Nerdist.com.